when I was at um, Moody Bible Institute. Moody is in Chicago. My, my home was in Chicago at this point. I lived out in the Burbs. And I did what often you do when you're at college. I met a girl. Uh, Chris was from Nebraska, Omaha. And we dated our, all, all our freshman year. And at the, uh, towards the end of the year, she and I started making plans and to, for me to take her home at the end of the, the, the school year. It's not a big deal, right? Piece of cake. I, I paid for my own school. I bought my own car when I was 17. I took care of it. I did the insurance. I had a job lined up for when I got back. Not a, not a problem. See, we thought the problem would be her dad, though. Her dad was back to the Bible guy, very conservative man, wonderful Christian heritage, but we thought he might be a little nervous, so we plotted our strategy, and I called, and we wrote letters, and talked to the family on the phone, and finally he said, yes, you can do that, but here are the you know, 500 rules. But, but, but I think he just didn't want to drive all the way from Omaha to Chicago and turn around and go back. So, okay, this is great. But then we had to talk to my parents, and I was feeling just a tad uneasy about that. My folk had never really even given me a curfew growing up. They, they pretty much uh, unleashed me way back when, and uh, I was a good kid. I just kind of knew what I was supposed to do and did it, uh, except for this time, I guess, because I was at dinner time with my, my family. I was, again, we were out in the burbs, so I was, I was home, and uh, I was a little nervous about this, but, you know, talking, you know, what are you going to do this summer? Oh, I've got my job lined up, yada, yada. Oh, by the way, when school is done, I'm going to drive Chris back uh, home, and then I'll be right back, and blah, 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 pass the beans. And my dad kind of stopped me and said, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on the beans. Hang on. Um, what? And I said, so I repeated it. I said, well, you know, after school, and, you know, Chris and I have been dating, and I'm going to take her home, and I get to meet her parents. It would be a good thing. And uh, then I will be right back, and I've got the job lined up and stuff, so that's cool. And, you know, you pass, okay, fine, pass potatoes. But I said, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, you're not going to do that. And I said, whoa, 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 hang on, wait, what's this? You're not going to do that. What's with that? Not. What's that mean? He said, well, what don't you understand about that? What do you mean? Well, not. We don't understand what they mean. Well, come on, don't you trust me? No, we always lay that on our parents. Don't you trust me? God, and Chris and I have an above-board relationship. What are you thinking about us? And, and she's a good kid. Don't you like her? Oh, yeah, no, we like her. And what about her? You don't like her parents? You don't even know her parents. No, no, that's not the issue. So we went back and forth. Give me one good reason. No, no, my only good reason is because I said so. You know, that thing. And we're going. This went on all weekend for three days. Three days and three nights. It seemed like 40 days and 40 nights. So at the end of that third day, boy, we were, we were at the dinner table again. And everything happened around our dinner table. And so it was the, the conversation was, if it was on, I think you'd call it a conversation at this point. But it was, of course, escalating to fever pitch. And I pushed my dad over the edge. You know, the issue, children, is if you can outlast your parents, you can often win. So I pushed my dad. And my dad stood up. And my dad uh, never threw stuff in the house, but if he flipped the chair, and actually I saw him flip the chair three times in my life, but if he flipped the chair, this was, this was it. We stood up and he flipped the chair. Go, son, just go. You know, a lot of explicative story there. Just go, son, go. And I said, great. Got their approval. <laughs> Omaha, here we come. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Now, here, here's a, a rhetorical question. Don't answer this out loud. Last service, they were answering this one out loud. Uh, did my parents have any right to come down on me like this? I mean, I was 19, right? I was an adult. I paid for my own college. I, I paid for my own car. I bought the insurance. I, I, I made sure my job was lined up. I had decent grades. They didn't have any good reasons. And they would say, we don't, the only good reason we have is because we said so. Did they have any right? 
And did I have any right, as a 19-year-old person, to, to listen to them? It's a good question. Uh, today, we're dealing with the fifth commandment, which is? Okay. Honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. We've been in this series on the Ten Commandments. And in this series, we've recognized that these are not rules to get to a relationship with God. They're, they're rules after to maintain that relationship with God. That, that God had knows that his people, last 19 chapters, they had been 430 years in Egypt. Where they, they had zero, zero control over their decisions. Somebody else told them when to get up. Someone else told them when to go to bed. Someone else told them what they could celebrate and how they could celebrate it and when they could get any time off. Someone else controlled everything about them. But now they're going into freedom. And God knows that they're going to face all kinds of opportunities and temptations and all kinds of stuff that, that they've never had to face before. No one, no one around telling them what they're supposed to do. And so God says, when you're going into this life that I have for you, here... We call them the, 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 the Big Ten here. It's, it's like a, a, a high steel. And if you build your life around this, you're going to be able to really maximize your freedom. You're going to be able to understand what I have for you. But you can't negate these ten. You just can't do it. Well, then he comes with the fifth commandment where we're at in our series. And I think the chronology here is, is fascinating to me. Because the, the first four are all about my relationship with God, right? The first four are all vertical. You know, no other gods before me. No graven images. You know, careful of my name. And you need to take time once in a while to reflect regularly, to reflect and think about the redemption you have in me. The first four are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's all my relationship with him. And then the very next command is honor your father and mother. Now, you only get ten. How does this one get to be number five? And why would God buck it up right next to relationship with him? This is the kind of thing we might think, well, it should be an appendix somewhere, you know. Or, or we, we think maybe, oh, this is one that they threw in for the kids to make them feel like they're part of the scene, you know. Uh, but this is not, as we observe the, this, this command, we realize this was given to Adults, they're not given to children. Now, later on, Apostle Paul would would make it applicable to children, uh, further develop it in Ephesians 6. But it was given to adults, like all the other ones. You know, we think, well, the adult command, see there later, that's the adultery ones and the killing people, but this is a kid's command. No, 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 this is adult command. That's why the word is honor and not obey. Again, Paul would bring the obedience thing in when he's talking about minors, but, but this is a command given to adults. Now, as we understand about their background, it's going to help us a little bit to apply this thing, because this is, this, is, this, this is why this is important to us. Because if God sees this one as so important, matter of fact, right next to our relationship with him, then we need to stop and reflect on this. We need to ask ourselves, am I honoring my parents? And I believe everybody in here this morning, it doesn't matter to me if your parents are deceased. God knows, and yet he still gives the command. We can still be in an attitude of honor for our parents. 
And, and here, we'll get to this. Let me give you, let me put the, get the cat out of the bag, put it around the table. To the extent that we honor our parents, to that extent we honor God. That's why this is so critical in God's mind. You cannot honor God without honoring your parents. Now, again, understand their background. First of all, there was no nuclear families back then, right? This is kind of a Western thing. There was no nuclear families. You, you, you lived in a, a tribe, a, a group, um, Adam and Eve, when they had their children. We don't know exactly how many children they had. We know, of course, of Cain and Abel, and then they had Seth. But, of course, they had girls because those guys got some wives somewhere, right? And then they had, had children. And so they all were together until first one who had to leave home. And he didn't leave home for further education or to get his job with somewhere else because God banished him. It was Cain. And so they, they were all together. We, we know that Jacob was with his sons and family all together. Remember this story, right? Joseph is in Egypt. And Jacob and his boys are hanging out in Canaan. And there's 70 Israelites. There's only 70 Jews in the whole world at this point, And they're all hanging out in, in the promised land, Canaan. Uh, but... The guy who's in charge is Jacob. Now, all the boys have wives and they have children. And it's not a democracy because when Jacob looks at them and says, go to Egypt and get grain. They didn't say, well, let's talk about it for a while. He said, go to Egypt and get grain. The patriarch led the family. And again, at this point in history with these guys, again, it makes sense to us that the family was the building block for the whole nation. It was the social institution. I mean, at this point... Everybody's homeschooled, right? Everyone's homeschooled. Matter of fact, at this point, every, the Sunday school is in the home. There is no separate Sunday school. If your kids are going to learn the law, you know who's going to teach it to them, don't you? You are. That's where they're going to learn it. It was a, the, the economic uh, rule of, of thumb in the fact that the land was going to be given to tribes. Not to nuclear family per se, but to a tribe. They, they were going to either make it together and eat or they were going to starve together. It was an issue militarily. You know, there was no real army established until King Saul's time. And so, so folk are hanging out in the fields with their hoes and rakes. And when somebody breaches the borders, well, they put them down, the older boys and the dads, they strap on their swords and they go. And for those who come back, they put down the swords, they pick up the hose again, and they just keep on, keep on rolling. Judicially, you know what blows my mind? Is there's no police department in ancient Israel. There's no police force. The dads were the police force. Everybody took care of their family. They knew what the law was. They guarded. They took care of their family. The the handful of dads would get together in a town, and they'd be kind of like the the, the judge and jury. So so the the family held the, the nation together judicially as well. Now, understanding this... This is a mind-blowing command for me because if you look at these commands, this is the only one that infers submission. In ancient world, it was illegal, huge, to not be submissive to the king. But there's no law of these top ten to be submissive to the king or the government. Now, if I'm Moses and I'm coming down the mountain, knowing what I know about the people I'm going to be over... I'm going to like chisel 11th commandment in there somewhere, you know. Thou shalt obey Moses and always give him honor. You know, I would put that one down. But just the fact that it's not there is a great apologetic for the thought that, you know what? Some have said, well, Moses, this is why he was up in the mountain so long, because he was carving these things himself and brought them down and said, God did it. Well, I think that looked a little bit different if Moses did that. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't such at all. 
Um, God, the reason why he's got number five so close to the top is that the child-parent relationship models, this is God's design, the follower, Heavenly Father relationship. Our, our, our relationships with our parents are the most fundamental relationship we're going to have down here. It's the first relationship we know. Every one of us in here have been shaped, good or bad, by our parents. We have been. That's the, the way, way it has impacted us. And, and God, in bringing the, child, the, the parents together, is, is a picture letting us know uh, that, that our relationship with him, is that's where it's learned. For example, you know when you have a little kid at home, what's he thinking about the parents? He's thinking you know everything, doesn't he? No, we don't, we're not going to tell them that we don't. They'll find that out soon enough. But they're thinking, oh, mom and dad know everything. And mom and dad are so strong. My dad is so strong. My dad can beat your dad. You know, they, and, and they might not understand life, but where do they find security? In mom's lap. Somehow if they're in mom's lap, everything's going to be okay. Mom and dad provide the food. They don't worry about the food. And what, what God is doing is he's helping this child realize a, a relationship with himself vicariously through the parents. The way a child will learn of a relationship with God is through his parents. It's the model, the picture that God set up. The number one name God has chosen for himself above anything else he could have chosen for himself in the Bible is Father. He wants the child to realize. And here's the deal. Again, to the extent that you can honor your parents, you honor God. That's why this is so, so significant for God. Now, if you notice this command, you look at it just a little bit more closely, you realize it doesn't talk about the parent's responsibility, does it? It talks about the child's responsibility. And doesn't, notice it doesn't say, honor your father and mother when they're nailing it. Or honor your father and mother when they're getting it straight. Honor your father and mother if they're godly people. It says, honor your father and mother, Period. There's no degrees of honor. What kind of honor am I going as we think they're doing all right, but when they're not, we're going to pull it back a little bit. There's, there's, there's no degrees in this command. Because as we honor our parents, we honor God. Now, it's, it's important. Again, let me talk to you for a second in this regard. I was going to say children at home, but this applies to all of us. When we honor our parents, it's not dependent on their IQ, Right? And it's not dependent on uh, their education or their success in business or how much money they got or what they drive or if my friends think they're cool. Uh, It's not dependent on those things. Regardless of who they are, they're in the position of a picture of God on earth. That's why we honor them. And some of us may have grown up in homes where in all honesty, there's not a whole lot to be grateful for. Parents just kind of blew it on this one. That doesn't change the command. We can still honor them. And again, that's what we want to ask ourselves today. Are we honoring our parents? Because our relationship with God is directly dependent on this. Now, what's the word honor mean? It's going to be kind of a big issue with this, isn't it? The, the word honor is the Hebrew word kabod. I love the way that sounds. Kabod, it sounds good. It means, it means heavy. 
Uh, you don't go home and tell your mom because you want to honor her mom. You're heavy. No, no, no. That's not. That's she won't appreciate that. I'm telling you, that's not the way to go. The word is used 360 times in the Old Testament. Only once does it actually pertain to literal weight. It's a metaphorical word. It means significant. It, mean, it means uh, very substantial, very important. Give you an idea. The, the opposite of honor is to curse. And the Hebrew word for curse means light. And we, you know, we use this all the time today. We say that person is a heavyweight. What do, we, what do we mean? We say they're heavyweight. We mean they're very, very significant. They're, 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 they're like E.F. Hutton. You know, when they talk, we better listen. They're, they're influential. We don't want to disregard who they are because they're very, very important. Meanwhile, the other folk we talk about is making light of them. What do we mean when we say we're making light of somebody? We're treating them as irrelevant. We're, we're kind of rolling the eyes and, oh, do you believe what they have to say? And let's, we're buying our time to hurry up and get away from them because they obviously are insignificant to my life. Now, why that's important for us is because sometimes we think cursing is literally swearing at your parents. So, okay, I didn't swear at my parents. Okay, I didn't curse my parents. It's got very little to do with that. Uh, to curse your parents is to treat them lightly, to treat them as irrelevant, as clueless, as, as totally irrelevant to my life. That's to curse them. Now, now there's a Grimm's fairy tale. I don't know if you're familiar with Grimm's fairy tales, where there was a, a, a couple and the man's father came to live with them. And he was, he was a, a bit senile, and he was, when at dinner time especially, when they would eat, he would make a mess and get things all over himself. And um, the man's wife hated his father. And actually, in time, she turned him against the father. She, she let him know that the father was a nuisance, and he was, he was irrelevant. She treated him lightly. And so one day at a meal, he was especially making this big mess, and, and she just exploded. That's enough! And so she got up with her husband and they took the man and they brought him into the kitchen and they stuck him in a corner. And they gave him a plain earthenware bowl and they said, here, this is where you'll eat. And the old man would just blink his eyes and he wasn't sure what was going on, but okay. And so for the next several meals, that's where he would eat. And then he dropped his bowl in the kitchen and it shattered. And and again, the, the, the wife went ballistic. And so she ran outside, and she, this rural uh, place lived on the farm, and she grabbed the pig straw, and she brought it in, and she put it down, and she said, from here on in, you're going to eat out of here. If you want to make a mess, then you make a mess in here. And that's where the man was served. Several days later, the, the couple saw their five-year-old boy trying to carve something, and so they said, hey, uh, you know, Junior, what are you carving? He said, well... I'm carving a trough so that when you and dad get old, I'll be able to serve you food. And, of course, this was a wake-up call for them. And they, 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 they realized what they were doing. They cried. They went in the house, and they took the dad, and they brought him into the living room. They put him in the sitting room. They put him in the best chair. They let him eat there and make the mess he needed to make. And they honored him. They treated him as special, as significant, irrelevant. Before, they were treating him as, as lightly, weren't they? But now they were treating him in, in, as heavy, as important. We see the significance of this in, um, I think, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9. Look at this. If anyone curses his father or mother, that's treating lightly, he must be put to death. 
We would think this is wild, except for it came from God. He has cursed his father or his mother, and his blood will be on his own head. On, again. Next verse. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a profligate and a drunkard, so he's probably an adult. Then all the men of his town shall stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. This is an incredibly important thing to God. An incredibly important thing to God. So you say, okay, if I'm going to honor God, what's it look, what does it look like? Well, again, the word is honor. It's not obedience. But it does contain obedience, especially if you're uh, living at home. I don't think I've got the, the text on the screen. Maybe I do. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Paul's going to quote the fifth command. But just before he does... He says, children, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And he quotes it. Honor your father and mother. Then he kind of lets us know, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you. You may enjoy long life in the land. We're to obey. Guys at home, the way you on, one of the ways, key ways you honor your parents is to obey them. To not obey them, get this, please get this, to not obey them is a sign that you're a pagan, which means you don't know God. Look at this, Romans 1, 28 through 30. He says, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. He's going to tell us what things ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. It sounds like he's got this major list of felony sins, and he throws his misdemeanor sin in there. You know, disobedient to parents, is that that big of a thing? It's a sign that you're not saved. It's a sign of paganism. So when we're at home and we're deciding to blow off our parents just so you know what God thinks, it's a sign that you don't know him. It's also a sign that maybe you did know him, but you've walked away. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. Look what it says. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. There it is again ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. With, I mean, this is not a good list here, right? Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. If, in fact, you're not honoring your parents, you're not obeying your parents, you may have a form of godliness. But according to God, you're denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. Incorporates obedience. Honor also will incorporate respect. Let me give you a, a, a picture on this one. Let's say you, uh, uh, Dad says, say, Junior, take out the garbage. <sighs> yeah, 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 I'll take out the garbage. You know, I'm in the middle of my show. Give me a chance. I'll take out the garbage. No, no, no. I need it to go out now. The truck will be here in a few minutes. Let's go. Let's get the garbage out. 
It just will be a few minutes. I'll get the garbage out. Take it out now. All right, all right. You know, and they're running. Kick the can and grab the stuff and garbage is flying everywhere and rush it out to the garage and throw it towards the can and some of it gets in and stomp in the house and sit down. There, I took it out. Are you happy? Not that any of y'all would have ever done anything like that. But let's just say, would the person have obeyed? In my own ignorance, at one point, I would have said, yeah, I did exactly what he asked me to do. Would they have respected their parents? Oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. Simple outward externals is not what the command is about at all. At all. To do that and to not respect is not come anywhere near fulfilling the fifth command. A third aspect of this is care and support. Jesus is going to quote the fifth command. And this is interesting because Jesus puts this in a whole different category. I'm guessing Jesus knows what he's talking about since he gave these initially in the front end. Mark 7, he says this. For Moses said, and he's going to quote, quote the fifth, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. He's quoting Leviticus 20. But you say... That if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you, are no, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Now, the, the Corbin principle was pretty simple, actually. If you had stuff, and most people had something, didn't have lots of big bank accounts, but they had land and they had... You know, they're herds and they had a little garden or whatever. They could dedicate it all to God. Oh, God, my herds and my garden, and it all belongs to you. Now, the bottom line is, I control it still. And if I need a new tunic, I can sell a goat and get the money and go buy myself a new tunic. But I've dedicated it to God. So if my parents, remember, there's no Social Security going on, need something, and they're asking for some help, I really don't have anything to help you with. I've given it all to God. It's, it's a loophole to be able to protect your assets and to not have to help out any charitable situation. That's what was going on. When you, when you talk about this, let me kind of go off on a... On a it's not really a rabbit trail because I have this on the notes, but a, a, parent, a parent, parenthetical note for a second because it always comes up. Is it right to put your parents, in, your aging parents, in a home? And I've, I've seen folk on both sides of the aisle on this one pointing at the other folk. And, and I think biblically, of course, they didn't have such a thing in Scripture, so Scripture's not going to speak to that. But this is what would speak to it, to honor your parents, to treat them as heavy, to treat them as significant. Therefore, if you're not going to bring them home when they need it, because it's going to be inconvenient, because, you know what, I just don't have time, I'm going to have to take off from my whatever, my sports, whatever, because i got to watch them now, because it can disrupt the kids' sporting schedules, and God forbid anything disrupt that. If that's the reason, that's not treating them heavy, significant. That's not honoring them. But if the reason is safety, if the reason is care, if whatever my goofy schedule is, I just can't give the time that they, they really need right now, well, that's a different, whole different issue, isn't it? Now I am honoring them. And just to say, we can't be pointing it at each other, saying, well, you're not, well, you're not, oh, yes, I'm. Uh, we need to honor, and that's a heart issue. So we might not be able to tell on the externals. 
Now, when you look at the command, notice this. And this is very unique about the fifth commandment. No other commandment has this. It's got a promise, right? Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Paul says this is the only commandment with a promise. Let me ask you, do you think the other nine don't have any benefit to them? That's just a, no, the other nine we would look at, we'd say, no, certainly they have benefit to us. Well, then why does this one have the a promise emphasized? I think, and again, you're kind of speculating here, but I think it's because with this one, if I would honor my parents, then basically I'm doing it for them. I mean, it's a good thing for them. They'll feel good. It's going to help them out. And yeah, it's, I'm doing this for them, for their sake. But God's going to stop us here and say, oh, no, 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 no. They'll benefit But you're doing this for your sake. You honor that it may go well with you. That's that's huge. You know, the deal is if if we learn to honor our parents, that learning to honor travels into all of our relationships, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, gals, if you leave home and you're, you're fucking up with your parents huge and you never have that resolved and you've never learned to honor them, you're going to have a real hard time honoring Prince Charming when he turns into a frog because he can do that often. And you've already learned. No, no, no. It's not about honoring anybody unless they can, unless, unless it's, they can help me. See, it's, it's, it's all about me. And, and if my husband is good for me, see, then I'll honor him. But when he's not, then I'm not. And guys, if in fact you're not honoring your parents, and I tell gals this all the time when they're thinking about getting married or they would come to me for counseling i'd say listen well, how's he treat his parents because if he's not honoring his parents that girl of your dreams that you can't live without and she's gonna make you feel so good and all this other baloney but bottom line is the girl of your dreams will turn into a girl of your nightmare sooner or later because she's a sinner and when she does if it's all about me then you're not going to be able to honor her but see when you learn to make someone heavy and they're more important than myself You'll carry that into your relationship with your, your spouse. You'll carry that into your friendships. Doesn't Scripture tell us to consider everybody more important, more heavy than yourself? Now, the, what God's really going for here, though, is because he knows that if I'm not interested in honoring my parents, then I won't honor him. And, and, and if you honor your parents only when things are really good, then you know what we're going to do with God? As soon as he asks us to do something that's hard, as soon as he asks us to do something that's against our common sense or that's inconvenient for us, you know what you're going to do? You may not quit coming to church, but in the secrecy of your heart, obedience just won't be there because you're not treating God. You know, it's just interesting to me that the the, the word, more than any other word in the Old Testament, that defines the, the believers, the followers' response to God, that word is honor. God says you are to honor me and here he says you've got to learn to honor your parents because the two end up being related so applicationally how do we walk out with something to to apply how can we apply this today first of all if you're if you're at home if you're a minor if you're at home listen to me for a second you need to be obedient and and, and you're not obedient Please, please, you're not obedient because they're bigger than you, because they got the belt, because they got the car keys, because they got their whole tuition over your head, because they, they control your friends. That's not, 
Maturity says this, guys, that I'm going to honor and obey them because I want to honor and obey God. God has called me to do this. And listen, I remember when I was a kid, I got into this and I said, you know what? I don't want to do anything to mess up God's blessing on my life. Don't take away God's blessing on your life. Be committed to, to obeying regardless. Now, I've got to say three things with that. And I, I, I hate to have to say this, but let me know. Or let me tell you, if your parents are abusive, if your parents are asking you to do something against God's word, they're asking you something immoral, you don't. But let me, let me throw this caveat on there. Please come talk to me or Pastor Keith or Joe, or one of your youth leaders, or one of the other pastors here, will help you figure this stuff out, because sometimes it can be confusing. That would be good, okay? Uh, second thing is, you hear this once in a while, my, but my, you don't understand, my parents are, are hypocrites. My parents are sinners. My dad is so good in church praying and stuff, but he swears all over the place at the house. My mom thinks she's so good in church, but you should, she's committed more to her soap operas than me. And she's always at work and doesn't have any time for me. And he's always got time for his, his television and his remote, but no time with, for me. Keep in mind that, that there's no exception clause on Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, period. Honor your father and mother, period. Unless they're asking you to do something against God's word. You've got to do that. You can't hold out the, the, the my folks are old-fashioned card either. My folks are culturally challenged. Yes, I know, I know, I know we are. Um, I don't, you don't like the way they control Facebook, they control your phone, they control your hair, they control your music, they control the curfew. My other friends don't have, they don't understand. Yeah, 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 I know. But you've got to obey. Let me give you this, this story. Remember the Chris story I told at the beginning? Well, I didn't... I didn't say, yay, Omaha, I'm going to Omaha. I was crying, and I said, oh, I had enough Bill Gothard in me. I was crying. I said, I, I can't. You know I can't go without your blessing. And my dad, big burly tank sergeant guy, I hadn't seen my dad cry too many times. My dad was crying. And he said, son, I don't know why I can't give you my blessing. I'm just telling you, don't go. It was really egg on my face when I called up Chris's dad and said, you know what, I can't do it. My dad won't let me. He thanked me for honoring my dad and all. Um, That summer, Chris and I broke up, uh, but my car started making some clanking noises at the beginning of the summer. So I brought it to the Kmart Auto Place. That's where we had our cars worked on. And um, I always get these guys from the south and from Appalachia, but this mechanic guy can walk in. He says, come on, I'm going to show you something. So he brought me in, and he said, now see this part of your car? He's grabbing all kinds of stuff underneath my car, and he's shaking. See this line? And who's this? It's all bad. Didn't sound good at all. I thought this thing was going to blow up any moment. So I asked him, I said, well, let me give you a hypothetical situation. Let's just say I was going to drive this to uh, Omaha, Nebraska. What do you think would have happened? He said, well, you would have got probably about halfway across Iowa, and when you hit 75 miles per hour, your steering's going to go out, and well, I would not want to be in the car when that happened. I went home, and I thanked my mom and dad for not letting me go, for following their intuition, the Holy Spirit, when they have no good reason to say no. Because God will work through, through the authority figures he put in your life, whether, whether they know it or not. 
So we have to obey our, our parents. We have to. Now, now, parents, let me point this out. If you've got kids at home, let me, let me read this for you. Because we know that the Ten Commandments are found in, in Exodus 20, but they're also found in Deuteronomy 5. Well, Deuteronomy 6, this is what Deuteronomy 6 says. And just listen, or you can turn to Deuteronomy 6. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. We just think, oh, see, that's it. God just wants us to fear him. Oh, no, it keeps going. And so that you may enjoy long life here, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Sometimes these things we think these are things that God has injected in my life to mess my life up. God says, oh, no, they're there to help you enjoy life. Just you've got to trust me. So just as the Lord, the God of your fathers promised you. Verse four, he says, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie, that's pretty much all the time, isn't it? Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Parents, that's our job. That's our job. We might say, well, I don't know it. Well, we've got to figure it out. We've got to figure out how to know it so we can pass it on to our children. I'm just telling you, and you know this is true, that something they might hear from a, a youth leader and, and from a pastor is not going to make half the impact if they, unless they hear it from you. Now, if they hear it from you and then we can reiterate it, it's going to make a difference. But God has placed you in their life for this purpose. The third way to uh, honor your parents is uh, put it in your bulletin today. You've got a handout marked the tribute. If you'd pull that for just a second. When I was in Cincinnati uh, years and years ago, I mean, I think I picked this up off of Dobson. Uh, it, It was adapted from Dennis Rainey's book, The Tribute. And what we decided we would do is we would have a tribute Sunday. I think it was Father's Day. And so we, I handpicked like 12 people. And we had some little kids. We had some uh, uh, teenagers. We, we had some 40-something-year-old folk who were married with kids. And their parents I knew would be there. We even had some, some elderly folk whose parents were gone at this point. And what we did is we gave them what you're holding right now. And said, what you need to do, let's write a tribute for your parents. Go through this and, and just spend some time and focus and pray and write. We know that some of y'all may have had bad homes. But is there nothing good as you look at the sovereignty of God? Is there no reason why God may have given you such a parent? What can you write here? Well, that day, we called these people up one at a time, and they read their tribute. And out of 12 people, all but one broke down and couldn't get through their tribute. Uh, they were bawling like babies. When I remember when Ann, she was uh, 20-something. She's, I had her in youth group, but she's graduating from college at this point. She just had a... a horrific battle with Hodgkins that year. Uh, she still wasn't out of, the, out of the woods yet. But when she read her tribute to her folks, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And you can, can you imagine what, what the parents are feeling like when they're sitting out there and suddenly their, their, their kid comes up 
And they read a tribute. Because if you're a parent, what are you feeling? I failed. I've blown it. I've screwed up. I've messed up. And that's what haunts us. And to be able to hear your child say that oh, it doesn't get any better than that. My, my boy, uh, oldest boy, wrote me something like this. Oh, my goodness. Uh, two months ago. And I, I was going to ask him for permission to read it. Uh, I don't think I'd get through in all honesty, but it's private. It's just between he and I. But it was so good to remind me what it is all about. Now, listen, some of y'all have wounds that need to be healed. And will they ever be completely healed this side of glory? Probably not. But you can start the process. And I believe a working on this tribute will do that significantly. And some of you guys who are saying, you know, my, my parents, I've got lots of time. My parents are pretty young. Please don't go down that road because you may not. And some of you folk who, whose parents are gone, still, this is a, a healing, wonderful thing. Your legacy, this is a great, this is a great thing to, to write this and maybe get together with a, some, some other relatives and read it. That's a powerful time towards healing and towards honoring uh, our parents, towards keeping the fifth commandment. Would you pray with me? God, I'm thankful for the parents that you've given me, Lord. You know how they've stumbled and tripped and fell. But in your sovereignty, you've given them to me to grow and to shape me. Every one of us, our Parents have been handpicked by you. And then you look at us and you say, honor them. Honor them. I'm telling you, honor them. God, would you drive that into my heart, these people's hearts this week? God, that we might know you, that our intimacy with you might be strengthened, that we might go to new depths with you that perhaps we've never known before. I would pray. That that would be so. And God would deliver us from things like they know how much I love them and excuses. God, may we truly honor them. Lord, for anybody here who needs to make a phone call, maybe they need to get in a car and drive over their side of town and knock on the door just to say they're sorry. Would you give them the strength to do that? God, would you restore relationships? I would pray that be so. God, you're a God of redemption. And in our relationships, you know how it's so easy for us to cross these things off, to have that relational graveyard in our backyard because we don't want to have to mess with it. Would you remind us anew, God, that our walk with you is dependent on our obedience to things like this. We commit this day to you, Lord. We pray that you would help us, those of us who are our parents, whether our kids are at home or or away. Would you help us in our sanctification process? I know we'll never be perfect, God, but to be parents that are worth honor. To reflect Jesus to this world, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 You're dismissed.